Hello, and welcome to the Social Collectives Podcast. We are on episode 39. We're super excited today to have my very good friend, Jeffrey Fitzgerald. Uh, He's the owner of Jeff and High Def, and he is one of our original OG team members. Jeff approached me one time, and I guess the first time that we really did anything together was the charity event we did at Ford's Fish Shack. Yep. And I think that was for Visit Loudon. It was March of 2020, I believe, somewhere in there. Oh, and uh, right maybe actually, maybe a, actually right may- before it went down. Yeah. It could. It was. I can't remember if it was 2020 or 2019. But yeah, I basically had been watching all the great things that you and Mercedes and everybody were doing with this group because. You know, let's face it, most Facebook groups are lame. People don't know each other. They've never met. And you not only built something of real value, but it's with real people. And I was like, wow, that's kind of cool, right, Aaron? And mm-hmm. and so I showed up at Ford's Fish Shack uh, one evening with my camera and my tripod and a microphone. And I walked up to both of them like, I don't know you guys, but I want to do an interview. <laughs> oh, that's great. And, and so we did it. You know, and the rest they say is history. So, well, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was so funny because I think you had on a bow tie. A tuxedo. Some, well, it wasn't a tuxedo. It was a bow tie. Yeah, I, I do that sometimes. That know. fits. That fits. Yeah, every but <laughs> we were, I was definitely three sheets to the wind. I was towards my last leg of that event. And so Mercedes was like, oh, my gosh, there's this guy here. And he's got, like, a legit camera. And he wants to do an interview about the collectives. This is so exciting. I was like, let's do it. She was like, well, Lisa, slow down. She's like, you've had a lot to drink. Uh, I don't know. And I was like, I've got this. And so one of the biggest compliments that Mercedes gives me to this day, I think like last week we had lunch and she told me this, that I can pull it off while drinking. I I can do it. She said there was, she had no faith that I could pull off that interview and that she was so proud of me because I rocked it. So I was like, you guys did, you did, you guys did great. I got it down to eight hours of editing, but you did did wonderful. You did just just fabulous. So it was so cool. I was so uh, so happy that you came and that we've built this friendship. And so tell us a little bit about Jeff and High Def. Well, you know, it, I, it, it starts in a galaxy a long time ago. No, um, <laughs> I, I grew up in in TV. My mom was a TV producer, one of the the pioneering women of the '70s in the DC stations. And uh, you know, I was really intrigued by what she was working in. And I got into the technology. I was able to hang out in a lot of the the stations that that she worked. And uh, I mean, I remember running through CNN at 14 years old and getting smacked on the back of my head because I was playing with the cameras and, you know, things like this. Wow, and that's I, awesome. I, well, you know what? I developed a passion for it. But what happened was, is that in the, the middle of this video exposure in Revelation, in the mid-1980s, I got into computer graphics. I got an Amiga computer, which probably nobody's ever heard of. Oh, yes, absolutely. And started doing design and stuff. And that actually took off in my, my heart with a passion more so than the video. And I ended up doing the, you know, the, the graphics and 3D and uh, moving through uh, into other forms of, of interactive media, but the video was always there, and it always was. No matter what job I did or what I did, people always wanted me, oh, can you do that? And that's, that's what I did. Long story short, you know, I've been in it now 42 years, and um, have just a, I just have a blast with it. I still love it. still love what I'm doing with it. You're so passionate about it, and I love being around passionate people because, you know, we get drained often, and it's nice to be around people who – just are so passionate about what they do that we just can't stop talking about the next idea. Now, yeah. video is so important. I mean, uh, on social media, one of the things that I've seen is the scroll. So you have to have, you have to capture people's attention immediately. And it has to be a really amazing graphic, typically a picture, an original, like, you know, picture. And it has to have something so captivating that they might read some of it. Yeah, they're absolutely. never going to read all of it, but people will watch a whole video. They will, and it's one of these things where it's getting harder and harder, as you know. You know, a lot of folks like let's say you're you're in a, in a particular industry, and you look left, and Sue's doing something, and you look right, and John's doing something. You're like, well, my stuff looks pretty good compared to them. The problem is, everybody, you're competing with cats and bacon. Right, it's you're competing with everything that's in the scroll above you and below you. Mm-hmm. And most people these days, I think it was like eighty five percent of people don't listen with the sound 
because they want to keep their mind open, Mm -hmm. which means they're giving you half of one ear, half of one eye, and then they're doing other stuff. And so Mm -hmm. it's, you know, and I think that's where we see a lot of times, like with TikTok and other things, people doing some really outlandish things to try to get attention. And those things do work. The question is, is that if you go so far off the beat of who you are and in your brand identity, how are you communicating what you really want them to know other than them waving at you going, oh, that was pretty cool. You jumped off a building or you're dancing, you know, backwards or whatever. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of nuances in there. But video is extremely powerful even in this moment. And it just takes a real a real intentionality about it to do something with it. And, you know, that's a good point. Like you said, people jumping off cliffs and setting, you know, whatever on fire and doing all this crazy stuff to capture your attention. At the same time, we're being told to be authentic. Exactly. So, exactly. You know, and it, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So you cannot you cannot marathon that. No. Or become maintain an authentic persona on your social media. It's just not possible. It's not. No. And, and let's just be honest. If we're going to talk about authenticity in today's world, we are authentic because we have our face filter. You know, we have the ability now to use uh, mid-journey to create pictures of us in heroic scenes instead of being in our tank top with peanut butter watching NASCAR. <laughs> you know, and and we have this ability with ChatGPT to have it say all the things we want to say. And I, I wonder if there's a time coming, Lisa, when we're going we're gonna to begin to finally realize that we're emptying ourselves because we're giving it to other things and other forms of yeah. creation processes right. that it's not us anymore. And I think all of that comes back to fear and insecurity because mm-hmm. we never believe that we're enough. And I and I'll be honest with you, I'm not a fan of motivational stuff. I like Tony Robbins a little bit. I really love Simon Sinek, who's the, the guy who wrote Start With Why. I think he's really spot on with a lot of this. But what happens when you're doing all these things that you think are you and you're putting it out there? We call it automation. We call it helping us do the job, get our life work balance done. But then at night we lay on our bed going, well, who am I? You know, what am I doing? You know, how does this work? Why? Yeah. Why? Why is the question I always ask. Why am I doing this? Who am I doing it with? Who am I doing it for? And why does it matter? That's right. Yeah. It's a, it's a very, very interesting. We were talking about this a minute ago. It's a very interesting time in our society where we have so much support and help. And I've said for, for the last couple of years, you know, we're more enlightened than ever. And yet we're more isolated and lonely than ever. Mm-hmm. We say we've got friends because all the the savvy people that learn how to build tech addiction have labeled it likes and follows and you know there are fans and we have followers and all this and yet we we don't really mm-hmm. because every one of us on one hand can put maybe two fingers up of people that would run if we were like man I am completely in a situation where I can't help myself and they would come at no matter what time mm-hmm. it is, day or night, right? Mm-hmm. We've got close people, we've got friends, but there's those people in our life that are the deep friends that we need. Every one of us need that purpose, mm-hmm. identity, security, and acceptance. And so when you look at these things in terms of authenticity, how does that play out in a bigger picture when you're trying to reach the world with, quote, your message, but it's becoming more machine language and robotic, right? And maybe one of the things is the fact that we're not called to reach the world. Maybe we're called to reach our neighborhood like you've done, Mm -hmm. right? Look at the success that our social collective, and I say our because I believe it is. It's a community that it's had in our world. We've raised fabulous amounts of money for very good charities that help great people. You've done it in multiple communities and counties all over the area. And I personally believe that as each one of these people move to a new location, one day there's going to be a national collective because people are going to relocate and say, this is still the right way to do it, right? (laughs) But it's changing the dynamic of what it means to reach the world. It's not reach the world. It is reach your world. I feel like whenever I start to doubt myself, you know, and how I present myself, depending on which circle I'm moving into, because I feel like we're always moving, right? And I always want to be moving. Then I feel like less authentic, so I have to always just come with confidence in who I am mm-hmm. and, you know, quote, own that. And I feel like I'm allowing other people to do that as well. I'm very, very down to earth. So when I show up to an event in Birkenstocks and a charity <laughs> T-shirt and some jeans, you know, that might not be the best dress code, but it's allowing everybody to feel comfortable however they want to come to just bring it. Just to come and bring themselves. It's to come as you are. Yeah. Come as you are, no barriers. So yeah, I like that. And I and that's the only way that I can keep doing this is to is to be authentic. That is the, the all I can do. And I think that and I think that 
very clearly shows that being just you or just Aaron, you or myself, that's really the magic sauce. But yet every one of us, me included, we think that somehow we're not enough. You know, I've got interest in so many different things. And, um, you know, my, my family's done a game show over the years. Mm-hmm. This been, is so cool. I've done game show hosting. <laughs> um, game show loco. That's right. Game show loco. You know, and if you get on Facebook and look at that, you'll see me dressed like I'm from 1970, Aaron, right? Die. <laughs> and oh, and it's, you know, so there's those kind of things. I do an awful lot of work these days in the law enforcement fire rescue world. I, I'm trying to not only do marketing and recruiting to save our first responders, like not that I'm the hero, but I'm trying to help the hero. And I work alongside all of these folks on so many different levels. I've worked with government figures. We can all point these people out in our life. How many times do you stand next to somebody and you're in a room of great people and you love them? There's no jealousy, but you, you, in your mind, you begin playing this tape. My God, I'll bet they can go out and afford a really nice dinner, or they can mm-hmm. do do this with their life. Or man, they could probably take Friday off and go to the, mm-hmm. you know, go to the beach, or they could do this, or look at look what they're driving, or. You know, I'll bet their house is something that maybe I'll never have, right? And every single one of us do it. I love my dad because he is a country gentleman raised in the coal mines of West Virginia. He's 87 now, and he, I still have to keep him from all my lawn. He's that kind of guy. <laughs> he told a story when I was a kid that I never forgot that he was with a in a home that had seven fireplaces, and he was putting in a heating and air conditioning system. And this gentleman was pacing by the window and seemed upset. And my dad, after giving him, you know, the the receipt and everything, was like, you know, hey, you know, everything cool? And he, this guy looked out at the window and he walked over to the fireplace. He said, you know, he says, I'm buying a house tomorrow that's going to have nine fireplaces. When I get that house, I'm going to be happy. Oh, wow. And my dad, being the country preacher that he is, he says, you'll never be happy. No. Because you're, you're it's because so true. it's so true. It is so true, right? Absolutely. It, it, not, it, it, if true. not if it's always the next thing that's always going to get you that happiness. Because yeah. you'll never find happiness that well, way. You know, I'm a guy of faith. I'm a big believer that there are vertical pieces in us and horizontal pieces, and you cannot feel something that is necessary on the inside with something that comes from the outside. It just mm-hmm. doesn't happen. That's, it that's comes from we, a well from within. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Right. Yeah. And so it it come it, it doesn't come from our money or from our status or our prestige. You know, I could I could make any one of you or like you could me believe anything about ourselves because we've got these wonderful, terrific, challenging, terrifying, great stories. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I say it like this, you know, I, I've told people many times that life is like a set of railroad tracks. All the worst on one track and all the best of life on the other track at the exact same time. Those will sit in the same place in life, right? And so if we roll back on the bad things, we're actually rolling back on the good things. And so what do you do with that, right? And so I think authenticity is so key to just accepting kind of where you are. And what what is really cool, Aaron, is that I found in me being a failure on so many levels and trying so many things and still being in that, that mode a lot, that it's, it's you know, they talk about failing your way to success. I don't want to believe that for a minute. <laughs> but it's true because it's that whole you either win or learn thing, which I hate that saying too, but it's true. Right? <laughs> and so well, what, do you, what in the world do you do with that, right? It's you try because if you don't try, you're just guaranteeing you're always going to pine for the thing you never tried. Dude, That's I am I'm, like so on to what you're saying right yeah. now. Yep. I 100% agree. Like money does not buy happiness. Obviously, it will buy you heat and food and <laughs> gas, heat. There you go. medical insurance. Yeah, for heat. Yeah, that's <laughs> <Plus> all good. <laughs> like a nice phone, but but it absolutely does not buy happiness. And so, yeah, I agree with you, though. I think sometimes we look at other people's situations and we immediately maybe think they have something better than us or more than us in some way. But truly, I push right past that, not to like toot my own horn, mm-hmm. but I've just seen past it. Like I've seen past it. I know we're all the same. Like every, people that you wouldn't even believe it, you think they have everything, are so unhappy sometimes. Totally. Or they're even if they're happy and they have a great life, they're struggling in mm-hmm. some way. Like th- we are all everybody in is. the same boat. Or quite the opposite. You look at someone who on the outside doesn't appear to have absolutely anything mm-hmm. and yet they can have pure happiness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do see yeah, that. Yeah, that's so true. When I was in India and when we were, David and I were in Calcutta um, on a mission trip years ago, I mean, it was just, I was in my element as far as like being a total Karen. I was hot. I was like annoyed. Everything was super tiny. Even the SUVs were tiny and we were all smushed together like these big 
fat American people. Like we were all like just, it was crazy, like a clown car. But what I saw was, gosh, how can I even complain? Like my, I wanted to complain because it was so hot, but they were out there. Like the whole population was the hardest working, most generous giving, seemingly happy people in mass. <laughs> I mean, it was like shocking to be around that many people that just literally were never complained. Like never heard one person complain there the entire time, except us. So yeah, money definitely doesn't buy happiness. It's a mentality. It is totally. You know, I I think of a lot of the stories I've heard from folks that have traveled to places like Haiti, like you're talking about. You know, it seems like the people with the least have realized that it was never about that anyway and that you can live life and move forward and not necessarily that you're overjoyed that you're in pain or turmoil, right, Aaron? I mean, mm-hmm. but the thing is that in spite of those things, they cannot and should not be a barrier to being able to move forward in that thing that you love and that you want to do. And mm-hmm. for me, that was video. You know, I always wanted to do that kind of thing. But we all have to kind of come to a place where we realize that, you know, that this whole idea of a totem pole is so silly. It was just never about that. It's the journey for sure. Yeah. I know that's another cliche we don't like, but, but it's, it's the true. journey. <laughs> it, it, it is true. It's absolutely true. It's, you know, there there are multiple times when I think to myself, in those times of looking at other people, I may be sitting in my house, which I love my house, but if you take all of this away, I could find happiness. Mm-hmm. I can be at peace with myself and the things and the people that I have around me because it's not about these material possessions. They give me shelter. They give me food. They give me heat, sure. Mm-hmm. But at the root of it, phones and whatnot like that and technology, that doesn't matter. What matters is inner peace and making sure that you, when you wake up in the morning, that you find the beauty that's around you mm-hmm. and the people that are around you. That way, when you lay your head down at night, that you can rest easy. Everybody's you know. struggling. And if we can just get behind that. But I forgot to mention earlier that you're, are you a three-time, two-time or three-time Grammy Award winning? I wish I was a Grammy Award winning. <laughs> Grammy, not Grammy, not Grammy. Hey, it's, it's Kip Winger with you, everybody. Here on the M570. <laughs> Um, what is it? You want some awesome prestigious thing. Yes, I, I've, I've been blessed in the last uh, three years to have won three Emmys and nominated six Emmys. times for our national, uh, for our state PSAs for North Carolina and for Virginia for volunteer fire recruiting. Yeah. And you were one of the stars of it, video. along with my wife, and my, <laughs> my daughter, son, and other Ivan. And Ivan, yeah, that's right. That's awesome. You know, and, and, but you know, but the cool part about this conversation is, look at what you talk about when you, you know, recognition is really great. And, and I love that as a, a part of things, but look at what you're able to do at a neighborhood level. You bring people together and none of us, you know, kind of know what we're doing, but you do great things. And all of a sudden you start doing things that start changing the world in some small way. Mm-hmm. And that's what's really, I think, neat about it, you know. And also a neat thing about podcasting. So we, like I always say this, we could have printed all this out. Nobody would have read it. <laughs> and But for the three of us to get together and be able to talk like this, it really is what community is about. We're talking about random things. We're just all over the place, but it's all good and it's all relatable. And that's what people need more of. We need more of this. Conversation. Yes. A real, just, we were talking about this the other week with Brian Tinsman and the idea of it goes all the way back to caveman days, you know, sitting around a fire and this idea of community Mm -hmm. and sharing something. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. No, I love it. But okay, yeah, so totally. I'm going to segue um, into the parade will have happened. But <laughs> yes. by the time this and is it aired, went wonderful. <laughs> it was great. So it was an amazing parade. So glad you showed up. <laughs> so tell us about the parade that you are leading. You're like the guy in charge of this, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm part of the Round Hill Volunteer Fire Rescue Station, and I've been the parade director for gosh, the last seven, eight years. And it's a small town community parade. And I really love the fabric of it. We love seeing our rural neighbors come out. You know, I've, I've invited uh, some tractors, as we always do, some reminding people they've, they've done it before. Um, we have a, a big presence uh, of, you know, military and things like that. But we also have great classic cars, DeLoreans, uh, Model A's, Model T's, all kinds of good things like that. And we have, you know, the, the high school band. And it's, you know, it's just a great day to get out and be like, wow, okay, this is, uh, is small-town America, and I live in the Gilmore Girls set. I mean, it's basically <laughs> what it comes down to, you know. Well, we're super excited to be a part of it. So I will be out there with my convertible, and I don't know what – 
we were going to throw into the crowd, it might be <laughs> a combination of beads. It could be my, like my guess Jolly is it's going to be a lot of D Hill swag, is what I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's going to be a trailer being pulled, and Dave's going to be up there on a chair throwing it. So, oh my god, that, <laughs> that is would be great. Accurate. Uh, <laughs> yes, and I'll be out there. I'll, I'll I'll have to get out there and get some of that D Hill swag, but. <laughs> anyway, so we're so thankful that you invited us to be a part of that fun thing. Bucket list check. We were in a parade. It's a go. neat thing to be part of, of, and that's one of the reasons why I took it on when I did, because it's like, wow, this is a unique thing. How, how many people get to say they've done that, right? And so, neat thing. Yeah. So, tell us a little bit about Jeff and High Def. What exactly do you do? I'm asking myself that. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm a boutique. 99% of the work is myself. I, you know, I have a lot of people I lean on when I need more things, but it's rare that I do that. You know, the mm-hmm. PSA you saw, you know, I wrote it, produced it, and recorded it, and edited it, and all that good stuff. But I do everything from, you know, promotional marketing pieces, you know, for companies, for people that want their message out. One of the videos I did on uh, LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago, I do this show from time to time that I, I kind of speak to these things called Video is Authority. And I, I titled it, Why Calling It Anything But Quote, A Video is Gold. Because, you know, none of us today on this podcast ever said, hey, let's go do a microphone. <laughs> Makes no sense in the world, right? Alexander Graham Bell's not like, hey, you know what? Let's let's do a phone on Thursday. You know, it's the medium, it's not the message, right? And so what I try to do is help the, the folks that I work with, and it's from everybody from small entrepreneurs all the way to people, you know, that have got, you know, big companies and things like that on retainer. It's how do you how do you cut through what we call the digital noise, those kind of things, right? But how do you get your own voice into somebody's ear where it not only makes them stop and listen. It not only gives them something to really consider, but it makes them decide that you're worth talking to because that's really what it's designed to do. It's not going to sell things for you automatically. It never did. And we're in a world now where I don't know if you've, if you've heard some of the marketing material. You know, years ago, it used to be seven to ten touch points, Aaron. i got to get in front that's of right. you seven times or ten times that's right. before you even notice me. You know, then it's moved up to 10 to 15. Well, the latest things I've, I've been seeing are it's upwards of 21 to 28 times oh my now. my God. And here's the example. I hadn't heard in that In 2004, one. I was pulled over in Times Square for missing seeing a sign for no right turn on red. Eight cops jumped off the curb. They made me pull my car up on the sidewalk, and they surrounded me. And they're like, didn't you see that sign over there? And I'm like, what sign? And they go, the one hanging off of the, the light. And I looked, and this is the massive intersection, you know, where, 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 where everything is. And I said, you mean that tiny little sign in the midst of all these yeah, big signs? 15,000 yeah. other Square. signs. No, and this is all true, right? And uh, the other cops were laughing so hard, the guy got mad and just walked away, and they let me go. But that's what our marketing looks like today. We think, wow, I built this really cool thing. And you really have. But everybody is so, like, distracted now. It's how do you pull people into a place where you can to get their attention? And some of that can be antics, you know, like we were talking about, you know, you know, dancing like you're, you know, Michael Jackson, whatever. But I think, honestly, there's some great uses for video that anybody can do. You've done a lot of this. Facebook Lives are incredible. Mm-hmm. Not every video has to be the super high-quality, polished stuff that I like to do. We do kind of everything in between. But – you can get on camera and you can be confident. And, you know, whether it's me putting something together that's really flashy and, you know, cinematic, that's great. But somebody who's really good at telling a story and connecting with somebody one-on-one can sit in a cluttered dining room and do the exact same thing. And that's hard for me to say because I want to hide behind my technology and my experience because I have done it. And I mm-hmm. am really good at what I do. But it comes down to what is your story? Well, Do I think you it's going to resonate with different audiences. Yeah. So your product is going to resonate with law firms. It's going to resonate with medical facilities. It, there's it's definitely gonna a target demographic with, for those. Yeah. You know, data centers and and different things like that. And also a lot of small business owners. You know, that's going to really be their bag. For me, you know, I'm just going to always be the the girl behind the the Facebook phone or whatever, and just that's it. Super random. That resonates with people. So not the law firms, not the corporate giants, but just people. And I, that's my thing. But I do think that what you do resonates across the board. Like oh, it certainly Everybody's can, yeah. attracted to that. Everybody's attracted to a polished, finished, beautiful thing. Well, I think they are, you know, and I hear it often that people like the kind of, you know, like, like the kind of vibe that I put out, the work we do. I had someone yesterday, I put some stuff in the collectives, had a great gentleman say some nice things. And the, the challenge for me is in this moment, 
is that I hear that, but I feel like people go, bravo, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And then they don't know that they want to do anything else because mm -hmm. they're not sure. And and I, I think, you know, we, we said earlier, you know, it's the, you know, we, we talk about, you know, the paralysis of analysis. Mm -hmm. And I think it's actually backwards when it comes to video. We get to be so analytical that, that we're like, we don't go anywhere mm -hmm. because we're thinking about not just what the message is, but whether or not video is even going to work. Well, nothing is going to work if you don't put an investment behind it. And one of the, 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 my favorite sayings that I've coined, that's probably not the best to say to clients, but it's what I use on my website, which is don't spend your success trying to save money. Everybody goes, oh, that's awesome. You do such great work. Hey, I got a, I got a kid who's a daughter who just graduated and they've got a really big lens on that camera or they've mm -hmm. got that 4K phone. Mm -hmm. They'll be able to tell my story. Um, you can imagine what that would look like for your eulogy or anything else, having somebody that's unfamiliar that doesn't know how the nuance is right. And mm -hmm. so there's really a difference, I think, in a lot yeah, of ways. There's a big difference. Yeah. A big difference. And actually, Aaron, can you speak to some of this? Because <laughs> I see you nodding over there. Aaron actually has his own business, and so he is a podcaster. So mm -hmm. it's my podcast guy. And can you tell us a little bit about the closing aspect of things? Because when you said, oh, yeah, that's great, everybody's applauding you, but then how do you follow up with that? Yeah, no, I, I'm in the same boat. And I think that there are a lot of small businesses who share that same oh, sentiment. Yeah. It's a matter of, you know, you have a product mm -hmm. and people praise you for that product. But them themselves, when it's time to make that decision, they just don't follow through. And I agree with you 100%. You are wasting time by trying to make that decision because more often than not, you're not going to make that decision. You're not investing in what you should be investing in, mm -hmm. which is take the step. There's only one way to find out. Mm -hmm. You know, if you think that there's a part of you that wants a beautiful video, try it. And if it works out and you see a great ROI, then great. Down the line, you're going to come back to Jeff and high def and do it again because it's beautiful. It mm -hmm. works. If you think you're going to do a podcast, don't think about it anymore. Do it. That's right. And then six months down the line, look back, look at your data, see if you have gained an audience. If you have, it's working. And to take that step is very hard as a business because it's an unknown. And People shy away from the unknown. Well, I don't know if I want to. Of course, but you've got to be willing to invest in yourself, in your business to be able to do that. Right. And not everything is free. And, you know, I used to say, oh, Facebook is such a great free platform. Well, it is, but it doesn't, it's not as functional or useful as it used to be because now you have to really do these paid ads to get seen. Yes. I mean, yeah. even as the admin, and I'm extremely active. I'll see people that had no idea we even had a gala or that we had a Christmas tea or that we do coffees or that they can post their business advertisements yeah. in there. Yeah. I mean, so not everything gets seen. Most things don't get seen. No, most things, as a matter of fact, at the very top of your feed, and I always forget about this, and I do want to remind our audience about this, is that at the very top of the feed, there are there's a little carrot, there's a little um, triangle, and it is labeled either relevant yeah. <laughs> uh, most I was just recent. About that. Yeah. Or, and there's another one. Top mm -hmm. comments or all comments. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And mine's always set to relevant. Mm -hmm. So it's mostly from the people that I look through, comment on, whatnot, like that. And there are times when I'll go, I just want to see what's going on uh -huh. with most recent or top comments. And it's a completely different feed. Huh. Completely different feed. That's I because, haven't done yeah, that. Facebook thinks that they know best what you want to look at. That's right. right? And so, but I will never see most of those posts that, that if I go over to most recent, I'll look and I'll see. All. Yep. <laughs> I am amazed at how many posts that I do not see within the group because of that setting. Yeah. No, that's very interesting. I'm going to have to check that out too. And I'll say that, and this is another thing that I wanted to talk to you guys about is chat GPT. Mm. So I have started <laughs> using chat GPT for some of the posts, not all of them, but uh, when I want to make sure that it's really well thought out and then I'll, I'll tap into that. But when I do it, I'll add SEO keywords and hashtags. And so then it throws out the SEO keywords into the, into the verbiage and then the hashtags at the bottom. Now I will tell you, since I've started using that, 
people are seeing my posts more. Oh. So I've gone from like 26 likes to 400, 500 likes. Wow, that's pretty you good. You know, I mean, it's, and it is more relevant because when I use the chat GPT function, as well as the SEO keywords and the hashtags, I let it generate it for me. It's also, like I said, something that I want it to be more well thought out, right? So it's probably actually relevant. And that's pushing it harder. Hmm. So I would recommend that, you know, also remain authentic and let it be you speaking. <laughs> you do have to massage it a little bit. But if you want your post to get seen more, that's definitely working for me. That's interesting. Yeah. That, and, that, and I think that's the right use for something like that, right? You're not trying to have it do you for you, mm-hmm. but it's leaning on the technology that can speak its own language. And so that's, that's right. Like for me, I don't. I don't think about hashtags all that much. No, but, I didn't either. But to be able to I utilize. I think about hash browns a lot. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> Although I'll say I'm preferring the Ted's taters. <laughs> Ted's taters. So Ted's Bulletin has the most delicious tater tots. Oh, yeah. That's a cool mm. place. Okay. Yummy. Mm. I'm so hungry right now. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. So you dudes need to start. when If you decide to do the chat GPT thing, which I really think is awesome. I think at the end of your request, just put add SEO keywords and hashtags Hmm. and then go in and do your thing to like clean it up. But it will generate every single thing you need. That's cool. Super easy. That's really cool. (laughs) Awesome. So what do you guys think about AI? Oh, that's an interesting comment. (laughs) Do we have time? We can quickly. uh... We can quickly. (laughs) I'm so interested in it. It's, It's frightening. It's exciting. It's... What's funny Crazy. is it it comes up almost on every single one of these episodes it's because it's such a prominent thing going on right now. There's no way to ignore it. There's just no way. Every day we find something new and frightening or new and exciting or yeah. it's just, it seems like we're in a whole nother. It, okay. So we were talking earlier, Jeffrey and Aaron, about how something has changed. We all know something has changed. The world has shifted. Now, it didn't just happen pre-Ford's Fish Shack (laughs) (laughs) or post-Ford's Fish Shack. That was our last happy hour for two years, but that was was the last hurrah. But um, everything's changed. The the children, the the loneliness, the suicide, the depression, the anxiety, skipping school, school, the relevancy for school. Mm -hmm. Do we even have... The right classes now, yeah, based that's on a AI. Really good conversation. All yeah. these industries that are being eliminated, and the economy, and the politics, and everything. There's, everything has changed, and then you add on to it AI. It's crazy. It's yeah. too much. Yeah, it's very fast paced right now. I think post pandemic, where we went through a good year and a half of being isolated, and now we've been thrown out into the world again, and within that world, everything is starting to the world is questioning the world (laughs) and, and within that everything is moving very, very fast at a pace that we've never known before. And with us being so attached because we were in that, that pandemic and we were so attached to the screens and we were just kind of pushed that direction. We had really no uh, other options because conversation with real people died out for a long time Mm -hmm. And that forced us into this bubble. And now we're getting outside of that bubble, but we're so used to that bubble that it's a little strange. And things that are happening now is kind of like, okay, we're definitely noticing it. We're definitely noticing that the world is changing on a level that we've never known before, whether that is our kids and how they respond with social media and their screens, our businesses and how people are responding to us our conversations between each other and how much more meaningful that is to us as human beings. And now AI and how that's going to be playing a role in our futures and our jobs and how we have no control over that, but yet we're trying to get control over that. There's so many things that are going on that, yeah, I think all of us are noticing, okay, there's a lot that is going on. How do we deal with it? Can we slow it down? And if we can't, and if there is no real way to deal with that, how do we as human beings respond? How do we take care of ourselves? That was so well said. Yes. I mean, that's how I feel. And actually, after you just said that, it made me think we had no control over COVID. 
We don't have any control over technology, right? Except not to have it, which is as a small business owner, almost impossible. Or even if you have children because they're forced to use computers and not books now, which Mm -hmm. I hate. But now we have this AI function that we have no control over. And, And according to the marketing behind it, or at least the message that's out there is, just jump on board because if you don't jump on board, you're going to be left behind. It's happening. Mm-hmm. And then we're. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What do and you there's think a of, lot of truth to that. That's the truth. But it's also another thing that we as a globe, a global society have zero control over. Why don't we have any control over anything? Well, the, well they're, they're trying to, uh, as I mentioned the other week on the podcast, uh, they all met on the Hill, mm-hmm. um, head of open AI, head of, Google, head of uh, Microsoft, all got together, and they are trying to slow the process down. Oh, good. Um, but that, I don't know that they're going to be. Again, it is the genie's out of the bottle. Well, once the, and, and then, that's and exactly then, it. Yeah. Even if we as Americans decide to slow it down, that doesn't mean any other country will. No. And then we can't get left behind. So there's almost a race. Rather well, than a slowdown. You know, I, I think AI is an interesting uh, optic because the moment we're in, we're all realizing, like we said, hey, the genie's out of the bottle. And wow, look at all the potential for harm and all these things we're unsure about. And I actually believe that we've been in that situation for decades. Right. Mm-hmm. That we've been comfortable in our affluenza because we were so, you know, distracted by the things we wanted in life and the pursuits of these things. And, and we're not really paying attention. But, you know, we've, we've lost control of what our kids can absorb without us. Mm -hmm. And PTSD, we talk about that in the first responder community being something that is unresolved trauma that has got to be addressed. And we look at children that are now able to literally see anything that they want, anytime they want, and they have to process that on their own. And so there's a a world of of challenge in all of that. And I, you know, I honestly think that that there's no going back at this point. And I think that, you know, what's funny is, Aaron, you know, you and I, we, you know, we've talked a bunch of times when we see each other, but we've never gotten even this deep to having some great conversations. I feel like I know you better just in under an hour yeah. spending time. Right. You know, one of the things when I speak in, the, the, these, um, in these stations, I talk about that back in the 50s, all you had was the church and the fire department. That mm-hmm. was community, mm-hmm. small town America. Yeah. Friday night, the families came, the grill got on. We put the stakes mm-hmm. on. You know, the guys would share, the older guys would share with the younger guys and gals what it was like to fight a fire by themselves for 45 minutes, mm-hmm. as I know a friend of mine did. And the, the the legacy and the heritage carried on. I know for me, when I was seven years old, Lisa, I had no idea what church was. I may have been six years old, but I knew that when my relatives got back and all of them were really big, you know, they were, they were f- fun people, but we had... <laughs> We had a, probably a 30-foot picnic table with iced tea and fried chicken and coleslaw and macaroni Yum. and bread. Yeah. And everybody would sit around and, and laugh and enjoy each other and play music, get out the guitars. Yeah. Kids were running in the we yard. We are missing that. And we would enjoy oh, yeah. each other. And you know what's sad is that friends of mine who are good friends, I've even tried to get, you know, hey, uh, you know, can you, they'll, they'll, hey, Jeff, can you, can you get with me? Let me I have to look at my calendar. Or, hey, let's do that in a month. That's where the problem is in the first responder world, trying to find new public servants mm-hmm. and volunteers. It's where the problem is. We're talking about raising our children. It doesn't take a village to raise a kid. Yeah. It takes an involved community to raise everybody. It's it's also, it's so difficult because what you're talking about was a time frame when our focus was community. Our focus was our neighbors. We were cul-de-sac conversations. Yes. It was limited and you were circumstantially joined together because that was your town. That was your kids, parents, friends, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Now we have connected to so much more through social media and tech that it's overwhelming. We don't want to go sit on the cul-de-sac necessarily and chat. We're online chatting. It's like we are overwhelmed with these false relationships. That's exactly what it is. That's what I was going to say. I myself, you know, just in my situation, have gone through a metamorphosis, you know, of realization that not everybody is your friend. You know, like even if you want to open your heart to everybody, you cannot. And it's not just that that's on them. It's on me too. I cannot be a friend to everybody. It's impossible. And when you do spread yourself so thin, you don't want to go sit outside and talk to the neighbors because you're exhausted. 
You're exhausted emotionally. You don't want to even hang out with your kids, really. You just want to go chill. You know what I mean? So <laughs> sad, but it's true. It's true. And, and that's just me. And there's people that are way busier than me, that are way more extended than me. And that's the environment that we're in. Yeah. And I really think we need to shut it down. Well, I, I believe that it's, <laughs> I am guilty of saying, I wish we could go back and we need, that was a better time. I don't know that that's ever going to happen. I think hearing you, Jeff, talk about the dinners and I think to back to my childhood and we used to eat dinner every night at whatever time yeah. o'clock as a family. And I think to myself now, and I have many times before, I wish I could do that with my family. Or I should be doing that with my family. And it just doesn't happen because we are now in a different world. It moves at a much faster pace. And talking about neighbors, before I could always go up the hill and get a cup of sugar from my next door neighbor who I called neighbor. <laughs> that, that was his name. <laughs> that was his name. Neighbor. I love it. And you live next sort of gym neighbors. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And I, I remember distinctly going and getting a cup of sugar and, and they were friends of ours and we had friends throughout the community through our neighborhood. Now mm -hmm. I'm lucky if I know two people. Dude. That is such a great point. I live in a townhouse community. So if I look out my window, there's like 500 houses, you know, like they're just all smushed together. I don't know my neighbors, right? you know, but I know like a lot of other people that I'll never meet. And I just know them through online, but I haven't spent time. With, I mean, I've said hello, but I don't talk to my neighbors, any of them. Right. It's kind of a it's kind of an etiquette in some ways, but I'll, I'll tell you, I, I don't want to lose the community thing because I, w I want to mm -hmm. say something here in a second. But I, I had a, a neighbor one time that lived next to me for a decade uh, tell me when I saw the moving truck and I said, "Hey," um, he says, "Hey, you know, it's just so weird, you know." He says, "You know, I don't even know your name," and that's on me just mm -hmm. as much as it is anybody else. Mm -hmm. But this is the most scary thought in all of this. AI is not what we should be afraid of. I think what we need to be afraid of is the day that we get older and we realize that literally overnight we could go back to what we wanted if we wanted it. That's right. And I'm serious about this because we're the ones in control of our, our thing. And That's what, exactly I, what right. I think it is is we're, we're leaning on the easy. It's safer for me mm -hmm. and my, my quietness yep. with the TV running with no sound. I can sit there and I can type things. That's right. And I think I'm communicating. Communication is not speaking. It's not even what we're doing right now. It's when you both hear me enough to hear what I'm saying because you trust me and consider what I'm saying and then have something to say about it. That's when a communication has happened. It's not just in noise. And that's what everybody thinks. Everybody's taking the easy route these days, thinking with your business. Oh, if I don't, you said something a minute ago about six months later looking at metrics. That would scare, I think, most people listening today. I got to wait six months to find out if the money I spent worked. <laughs> well, people that built empires 50 years ago were spending a lot more money yeah. to find those same things out, right? right? Everybody thinks now things should be easy and automated. And right now. And guess right. what? And right now. And guess what? Welcome to your easy and automated, emptyless life, right? Well, because and, we've and got hard work to do to get back to where we need we even had that, like, I'll have people that join the group and then they'll say, oh, yeah, well, I haven't gotten anything out of this. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, well, I just looked at your profile right. and you've contributed nothing. Yes. Like, you I've haven't showed up to well. any event. I've seen those. You haven't commented yes. on anybody's post. You haven't, yes. like, it isn't a magic pill and it doesn't happen right, right away. Um, you got to put effort into it. Effort, in time, and sometimes money, energy. Well, and that, that's a great thing about the collective, though. See, that's the difference with this community, unlike any other. You can get in front of other people that are real. You yeah. can get to know other people and find somebody that is that has your vibe and that you can communicate with and find somebody that may be a lifelong friend. Those things mm -hmm. are not lost. You know, and it's funny when you were talking about, like, the block party kind of thing, you know, mm -hmm. and all that. I was thinking, honestly, I was thinking, how weird would it be for me to get my grill and put it out on a Saturday in the middle of the road because we live in a typical suburban, you know, yeah. and start making hamburgers and handing them out to people and let them think you're the biggest weirdo on earth. But you're like, guess what? You're going to have people come up. That's Dude, exactly right. You know I'm what I'm inspired saying? I mean, to have a community potluck. Yeah. Like, let's have a fun community potluck. Everybody brings something. We'll get the meat sponsored. <laughs> yeah. But, dude, we could have just a family day. I know for me I on a person. Yeah, absolutely. I know for me on a personal level, because I don't have that community at home, obviously within my own household, I do. I love my family. But within my neighborhood, it lacks. 
And I think that honestly, because of the social collectives, Mm -hmm. that's why I love it so much because I've met you, Lisa, because I've met you, Jeff, because there's 39 episodes of wonderful people. When I go out to these coffees, when I go out to these happy hours, when Mm -hmm. I show up at the team meetings, I am meeting friends that I will have for life. Mm-hmm. These are people that I enjoy being around. You are yes. wonderful people. And <laughs> I love having we those love conversations, you. which I don't get to have on the computer. It's not in the comment section. You bet. That's right. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's not like it's, subscribe. It's actually something everybody's forgotten. It's called life. That's right. Well, people have forgotten yeah, that. We have. And, and I really appreciate that thought, Jeffrey, about we do have control over that. It is our control. We can... I, we can have a community event. We can get outside and meet our neighbors. And if it's important to us, we can make it happen. So I mean, so much, so much of the internal conflict and things that, that, that I'm working on trying to help in some of these areas, like I said, um, with, with different or, you know, relational dynamics and things, it's literally the people in the room, not the building, not the structure. There are mm-hmm. some things like that, but it's literally like, you know, gang, the scariest thing is overnight. It could be a place of peace. It could be a place that's very different. And I think what it is is we get it. We think it might be worth doing, but we're not going to risk it because that's going to take some effort. And what it really, I think, means is we got to be vulnerable and be willing to face the fact it may or may not have worked, right? That's right. But, gosh, what would it mean to get together? Like I said, you know, I'm putting the order in now. Fried chicken, macaroni cheese, coleslaw. <laughs> macaroni salad. I'm in. I'm in. P.S. Macaroni salad at, at Walmart's way better than the macaroni salad at Wegmans. I'm going to tell you something. I honestly believe the greatest conversations, you even saw this with Camp David, with peace accords, with, you know, I think you know, Israel and Egypt and things, with Sadat and everything. Everything happens over food. And if we have forgotten that. Our families have been decimated. And I am a major a person of guilt in this because I think about my work all the time because we get in these situations where you have to. And here I am preaching this and I'm like, I'm not doing it. But the thing is, is that whether you're doing it or not, it's not the point. It's that we know we need to get back to something. Well, I think more. it's a nice reminder, actually. Like I'm inspired on some level right now to have a barbecue. The thing I think is frightening for me is I always, I'm a go like hard or don't do it at That's all. That's me. That's exactly me. And so I, you know, like something that needs to be done. I'm like, okay, let's, you know, how involved do I want to be? But I don't want to lead anything else. <laughs> you, you shouldn't have to. get your hands full. I think you, I think. But I do want to do it. <laughs> right. Right, 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 but right. But I, I think on a small level that that's doable, even in my HOA, like just to set up at the park and hand out flyers and tell people to bring a potluck. That'd be cool. Yeah, or even doing it in, the, in your driveway. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, I'm, I actually think the success comes starting the smallest, like what you did. Yeah. So here's a question I've got because I'm the go-play interviewer. How did you start this and what was the first meeting like? How oh many gosh, people? you're so funny. You always turn it around. Well, the first event we had was at Delirium. Cool. We did an event for Loud and Abused Women's Shelter, and it was originally just to celebrate having hit 1,600 members. So I said, if you guys invite people <laughs> and we get to 1,600, then we'll have a happy hour because now y'all want to drink. So we did, and we hit 1,600 like super fast once I announced that. And then it immediately turned into a charity event. So it just organically, the girl who was helping me organize it had been a victim of domestic violence. Mm. Her ex-husband was PTSD army, punched her in the face. She had like 28 stitches. And it happened to be on the month that was celebrating domestic violence or bringing awareness to wow. it, not celebrating it, but bringing um, awareness to it. And that's how it started. So then um, we did happy hours. And then, of course, COVID. And then we went to, we had some people. In how the many group. people were at that event? Um, a lot. So we had at the first event. I don't know, 150 people. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah, which was a lot for 1,600, and it was our very first one. Um, And also, shout out to Curtis Allred with Delirium. He donated all the food, and it was a massive buffet, a full buffet of chicken and everything you could imagine. He donated everything. So, I mean, other than the alcohol. That's amazing. And we raised, I think, five or $6,000 that night. Wow. Yeah. There are so many places to have community. Like what you're talking about, you know, Idly Park you know, and places like that. And it, and it's, I honestly think it's just getting people to put the phone down long enough to realize that life's still out there. 
Well, and I think also people are just overwhelmed. Yeah, you know, we're just I know overwhelmed. I am. <laughs> Definitely know I am. <laughs> yeah. And and I think if we can start, maybe what we should do with the collective is start focusing on family events. That would be so cool. So we went from the happy hour to the coffee because we have some people in the group who are alcoholics and they were like, mm-hmm. we can't network this way. So we started the coffees. But I do think that having the kids come, like being able to bring your whole family. Absolutely. Would be the next, I think that's the next move. I, I have seen some little blips within some of the uh, collectives of people volunteering their their place mm-hmm. and then other people saying, hey, if this happens, I will definitely chime in. There's more and more need for this yeah. community and you I'm bet. seeing it happen more and more where mm-hmm. people just want to get together more. It, the coffees are wonderful. The happy hours are wonderful, but there's also this bigger need of, hey, I just want to be around people and I want to mm-hmm. I want to. We're, we're built to be around people. I mean, for me, like when I'm around my beautiful wife, it's I feel like I always in my mind picture it like a battery charger with the light comes on, like you're never recharging. And it's the same thing with other people. When we're around each other, you get that energy going. And you could, like we're doing right now, but, mm-hmm. you know, I think in some ways maybe society has made it harder because people come from so many different backgrounds. Social media is lying to us, telling us that if we uh, don't agree with somebody at 100%, somehow we can't have a conversation of hard things. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're at a place where we literally feel like we have to be pigeonholed and quiet, and that is not the way to live in life, no. pursuit of liberty I'd rather and be loud and wrong <laughs> than right and quiet. But I'm usually loud and right, so. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, I think we're running out of time. Is there anything else you would like to say to us today, sir? You know, I, I number one, I just really appreciate you having me in the community. I love being part of it. I'm, you know, I like pretending to be an MC, and you are the best. And MC. Um, yeah. we still got to do the game show at some point. You know, I got to, I got to, you know, have somebody find, uh, you know, Granny's treasures and Bubba's drawers and stuff, and <laughs> we got some cool stuff. I just want to say thanks for for having me here and that if anyone listening has any questions about these things, about media, your brand, yourself, what your business identity is, all these kind of things, I'm more than happy to just have a great conversation over Zoom. And we're all about helping each other. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And I'm telling you guys, plus 1,000 for Aaron, the podcasting and the work he's doing is incredible. It is important. It is needed. And if you're not doing podcasting, I think that is an equal to video. No one is better than the other because... The audio, I think, sometimes works so much better than what we're trying to tell people by vision, you know? Oh, my God. I'm the biggest fan of the podcast. Trust me. I was not on board. (laughs) And now I'm just the biggest fan of it. It has been so awesome. And you just – I can't speak highly enough about Aaron and his skill set. Yeah, I feel the same way. So my podcast guy. Thank you. You are my podcast guy. Wait a minute. Your podcast guy. You're my podcast guy. Yes. (laughs) We're still not sure about that. So Aaron seems convinced that it should be your podcast guy as the name of his company. What do you think, Jeff? I like my podcast guy. My podcast guy or should it be your podcast guy? I like everybody's podcast guy. (laughs) Come to everybody's podcastguy.com and now and save 90% on your first community chicken and macaroni. (laughs) What about the podcast guy? I've already tried it. It's taken. Oh, damn it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, anyways, call your podcast guy, um, Aaron (laughs) Sepchik, if you're interested in podcasting. And then obviously Jeff Fitzgerald with Jeff and High Def, if you're interested in video or just having a chat about media. Yeah. Look me up at uh, www.jeffinhighdef.tv. And if you're in the fire rescue world, looking for marketing, media, consulting, and those kind of things, strategic vision, it's www.firemedia.tv. And he's the best. I love him. Um, okay, uh, I guess that's it. Do we yeah. have anything else, guys? I don't think that there's anything else. All right. Well, You're not going to do the commercial for the reverse mortgage? I thought that was <laughs> I will do a commercial for a reverse mortgage if you give me 50 bucks. I don't know what to say. You're going to have to write that out for me, but I will donate that money to charity. There you go. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know anything about reverse mortgage, so I'm going to end either. it. I'm going to end it with Soko out. <laughs>